Welcome to Not Takes, everyone. My name is Matt. My name is Mary. And with us today is our good friend, Sean, who is the other guitar player in my band and just uh, one of our group of besties. And today we are talking hot takes about music in general. This is a show where we find hot takes on the internet to share with each other for the first time and then discuss. And then at the end, we'll all have our own personal hot takes that we genuinely believe. But to start it off, we usually tell our relationship to the topic. Usually it's like a franchise or a movie or type of thing. But since we're being real broad with music today, I think we'll just keep it quick. We're all musicians. We've all been into music since probably at least middle school. And we all work and have worked at various points in the music industry and continue to do so and whatnot. But we're also coming at this as fans, so... Is there anything else I missed for our relationship to music, guys? Um, I invented it, so you forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay. Sean, anything after you finish that sip of sparkling seltzer? Uh, nothing from me, boss. Glad okay. to be here. Cool, cool. Well, um, who would like to go first? Time caller, long time listener. There you go. Right. Long time being the last well, two days. Short time listener, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um... Who would like to go first? Uh, Not it. You. Okay. I'll go first then. So I actually, this is perfect because I think this is very on, uh, on brand for musical hot takes. These two bands that are going to get mentioned in here. Oh, also I should say I've done my best to find topics and hot takes related to like relatively mainstream music because especially sean and i are very into relatively niche things in terms of rock and metal and punk and whatnot which might not be everyone's thing so i've done my best we'll see what happens forgive some obnoxious deep cut references if they happen anyway so for something that's not a deep cut and also this person i found this on reddit as i usually do trolling the bowels of idiocy that can often be found from however many years ago on that website um this person said they they said this is something that isn't a hot take but i think it counts they said maroon 5 are the nickelback of the 2010s the evidence is everywhere trend chasing for chart success parentheses both kroger and levine have admitted they write their hits based on other people's songs close parentheses both had a long chart run from the very beginning of the decade to the end, mainly due to radio play. Both frontmen have an aggravating voice, according to this person. Both backup bands are generic or not there at all. I think that's more true. Well, I won't put my opinion in yet. And then he finishes, and both got significant backlash by the end of their respective decades. Mm. So I, I feel like the real, the crux of that take is that Maroon 5 are fill that that hole that Nickelback did for a long time, which I would argue is popular rock or rock adjacent band that has hits, but has the probably some of the most vocal hatred from non fans that basically becomes a meme. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like, Maroon 5 still have much more genuine support than Nickelback. Obviously, they're more popular being, like, a poppier band. But also, I mean, like, Nickelback has a ton of fans, obviously. 
but you're more likely to find someone who who is looking to to talk shit about Nickelback than tell you how much they love them. Whereas Maroon Five, I feel like you could meet at least one person a day who's like calls themselves a Maroon Five fan. Me. Yeah, I mean, I I think a lot of our friends like Maroon Five, and I don't love them, and but I I respect their like early two thousands stuff a little more when yeah. it was kind of an I guess you would say just pop rock band as opposed to like I don't know. Well, the one thing that really hit home for me in this was how the backing band. They said the backing band is non-existent. I think that's actually straight up wrong with Nickelback because as far as I know, those dudes are like really high quality musicians like the drummer does jazz clinics when they're not touring and stuff like that uh and i remember years ago seeing them cover sad but true by metallica and they played it like better and heavier than than like modern metallica would and i was like okay props to nickelback there like um but maroon five i often feel bad for the rest of the band who especially on like the radio singles they're not really there per se because it is a lot of i often wonder especially about maroon five just like i wonder this about a lot of like famous bands like imagine dragons and those kinds of bands but like especially about maroon five i always think like do they hate him yeah imagine dragons is the perfect example of that and sean like we've talked about how as much as i do actually respect like the new much more mainstream bring me the horizon stuff and i like a lot of it I do feel bad for the, I guess there's only one guitar player now, but he used to be like doing all these riffs and now he's not doing it. He's mostly just kind of strumming the backing rhythm chords. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't have any particular experience with Maroon 5 or Nickelback specifically. So like, I definitely, you know, in, in, in my younger days and my more, I won't, I mean, I won't sugarcoat it. I was just more of an ass than I was now, but just like, I definitely for sure would have gone in on Nickelback and Maroon 5. And like, so my first, I mean, I'm sure this was a lot of people's first experience with Maroon 5 was just hearing goddamn She Will Be Loved on the radio nonstop. To I mean, this day. it was way every, up for that song. I love that song. It was every, and well, I mean, then that's the thing, right? Like that's, that's the fate of so many songs where it's oh, like, yeah. this is a great song. And like, objectively, if I only heard this song like once a year or twice a year, I'd be like, oh, hell yeah, that's nostalgic. That's my anthem. That's a jam. And that, but, but guess what? You just beat it into the ground the first year it was released. I heard it every morning on the way to school. I heard it every morning on the way home, every afternoon on the way home from school. And I heard it every night as I was falling asleep because just that's all that would be on all of the radio stations. Just like, you know, the 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 hip like Z100 or whatever, you know, whatever the hippest station in town is, that's playing that new Maroon 5 hotness. She will be loved. It's like the soft rock stations are picking up on that new Maroon 5 hotness, like every oh, yeah. fucking station. And like, again, props to Maroon 5 for the crossover hit of She Will Be Loved playing across the stations but like i I, yeah it's just it 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 became ubiquitous of just like oh this is that song that i always hear and now i hate it which is unfortunate because i but to to take it back to the the actual subject of the take that is of course the impression that you get with those sorts of songs and those sorts of bands uh, speaking of hits the impression that you're going to boss tones now (laughs) yeah but yeah just like 
like, well, yeah, I mean, that's apt, too. That's probably the only Mighty, Bo- Mighty, Mighty Boss Tones song that anybody outside of ska fans would know. But oh, ju- yeah. But I just, in, yeah, fair. just like, like, you know, She Will Be Loved, there, there's some intro guitar where it's like, oh, some, like, nice, you know, finger picking, and that's a nice little feature. And then it's just, same with Nickelback, where I feel like it's, it's regardless, separating entirely the quality of the actual musicians, their their skill and, and all of that. Because, I mean, it, you know, it, it, it got mainstream charts you know you know you know it was it was it was charting it was getting hella radio play like it's a well-crafted song it's a well-recorded song everything sounds good about all of Nickelback and Maroon 5 stuff like it's done well and it's just kind of a bummer that yeah I couldn't name another member of of either band Maroon 5 or Nickelback that's true you know what I mean like maybe they like that though I I only know like I know I used to know all the members of Maroon 5 I don't think I do anymore yeah, if they like that power to them, I just think it's it's you know that's sort of become well, I don't want to say it's become the trend, but when you think about bands like Maroon Five or Nickelback, where you know only the band name and only the singer's name, and so then from there it's really easy to assume that okay, so because I only know the singer's name, I assume the singer is doing most of the writing or like most of this or that. So like. Mm-hmm. again power to them if that's how they want it and if that's how they're like yeah we're just cool being in this band and you know the band gets its recognition and i personally don't care and it's sort of like patrick i mean i don't really care if my name comes out of patrick itself as much you know as, as long as everything else that goes along with being in the band happens yeah you don't necessarily like neither of us want to be like recognized on the street right but when people talk about no, this is Patrick. If 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 ever if ever we're talked about positively, I would love I would like to be associated with it in terms of actually discussing it. But I don't need to be Matt. F- like who who's Matt Isaacs? Be like oh he's in this band. Like I don't I don't want people to know me and not be talking about like the music. I think for the most part, unless I'm also doing some other creative yeah. endeavor. So, I mean, this will be my last point because it's been a very large sandwich that I've constructed with the top piece of bread being, I don't really know either of these two bands that well, and the bottom piece of bread is just going to be that again with all of this stuff in the middle. Well, and to be fair with that, like, I think this person's point is not even necessarily, not about their music or anything, but I think culturally how they've, their arc and how they've been received. And I do see where this person's coming from. I don't think they're exactly the same, though. Yeah. Although, I will say that the thing that makes them possibly the most similar for me is their relentless popularity while also having some of the worst lyrics I've ever heard. Like, for me, the thing, like, like, I don't, I think early Nickelback stuff, the things that everyone, regardless of whether they admit it or not, were into a lot of those early songs that are legit good songs. Ha- you don't I like, like his voice. very earnestly believe How You Remind Me is like one of the best songs ever written. Like I would put yeah. it in a top 50 minimum. Yeah, uh, but that era, I think, are really solid as far as pop rock goes. And then I guess they've got album deep cuts that are very heavy and probably like there is actually a couple riffs i've heard where people are like isn't this a sick riff and then they're like guess what that's a nickelback song and it's like respect gotcha. like that, the instrumental's cool now the re- but then the my problem i'm getting to my point is that so often then they get into the the weird sleazy radio rock lyrics that i'm not oh, yeah. into 
And like, <laughs> and then, and I don't know if anyone knows the glorious DJ Cumberbund remix "Pants Feet," but <laughs> it utilizes a Nickelback track. And the line that it chops up is him saying, "I like your pants around your feet," which is just the grossest oh, attempt. At I know sexy that whole lyric. song. And it's exactly it's about, just and I know all of the words to that song. It's 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 strip club songs and stuff like that that I'm just not about. So again, it's a it's a it's a it's a preference thing, but that to me something specific like that. And Maroon Five has similar lyrics. Plus the fact that he chose to keep saying moves like Jagger over and over instead of attempting to rhyme it with something and write an actual chorus. Those are the specific things that make me understand the hate of those. But there are far worse bands. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, and that's just another perfect example. I mean, I could go the rest of my life without hearing moves like Jagger or like that that little melodic line from that song specifically it's like yeah the whistly part it's like which is just the main i guess i guess props to you for doing this because it's catchy as shit and it was everywhere and it's never gonna die ever (laughs) it's just injected itself into the just into the public consciousness but yeah it's like I don't know, man. It doesn't make it doesn't make me feel anything. That the, that for sure. Although I there, I think there are people that would disagree if it makes them happy yeah, and they want to exactly, dance. Exactly, exactly. Sure. I'm not trying to rain on anyone. And I know you're not. I just for and maybe that's just our either our personalities or our our perspective as not yet successful musicians. <laughs> that it's like it it feels it comes across as immediately low effort, which is frustrating, but also. I guess it it doesn't doesn't technically have a place in is it good or not, which again most of it comes down to opinions. Although I sort of take a semi moral stance on some of the lyrics just being gross. <laughs> but um, we need a disclaimer at the top of any of these podcasts that are like some of the hosts of these podcasts are not successful musicians, <laughs> therefore their takes may be influenced by outside factors. That's <laughs> we probably should have that as a disclaimer. People people will figure that out soon enough. I feel um, like I, you know, I, I used when it, when they announced like when they very first, the very, oh, what am I saying? When they first announced the voice, I remember thinking like that, it, cause it was like, it was just the three of them at the time. I think just Christina and I Aguilera. Who the other two were, but I'm about say them to for our listeners. Them. <laughs> <laughs> it was Christina Aguilera, who's like clearly a vocalist. And then Blake Shelton, <laughs> who I would just not describe as a vocalist. I like Blake Shelton. I know you guys make fun of me for this because I like that. It's not making fun of you. It's just not understanding it. Yeah, I don't know. Although I did either. hear, I, I did hear one recently where I was like, you know, he's got some stinkers. God's country. That song could die. I hate that song. He's got some jams. Right. So it was the three and then, of three, them. and then and then Adam Levine. And I remember thinking like. Is that, I don't know. Does Adam Levine have that good of a voice? And then there's this cover they did, Rune Five did of Kiss, the Prince song, that is like butter. It's so good. Yeah, I mean, I'll check it out. That sounds like that. They I, they is would do perfectly that perfectly well. suited for his voice, yeah. right? You if know, if he's mean, doing that style, and Prince is actually a great comparison of like something that is pretty inarguably great, even if you don't like it. Like I, there's some Prince I can take, some I can leave, but he was undisputedly insanely good musician and to adam levine's credit i uh years and years ago went with a friend to the 
Grammy nominations like ceremony party thing. It was in the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, and Maroon Five was playing. And this is when they were still like big Maroon Five, but not like dominating for the second ten years of their career. <laughs> Maroon Five, so they were, but I like I don't think moves like Jagger was out yet. Um, but so they played a little bit, and then they just did like a jam section. Like I'm. I was like, should I say session? It wasn't really a jam. It was a section of their set that was just them jamming. And uh, Adam Levine put on this cool, like, tie-dye, if I remember correctly, strat. And he just shredded, like, oh, a yeah. really, really I had good no idea solo. I he play guitar for the longest time. And I've, I had seen them, and he didn't used to... When I saw them years and years and years ago, he did not play. So that was weird that, like... That was such a, that's like such a swap from the usual like trajectory of pop bands is like you see them playing more often earlier and then later you're like wow well, I don't see this guy play guitar anymore but before he did not play that and much. maybe maybe early on he wasn't confident in like his lead skills like right, like even now like I'm much more of a rhythm guitarist so like if someone was like oh we need to fill time can you just play a solo for this five minutes I would say no yeah like, I would say no. <laughs> I, I unless unless it was somehow a show where I was I could get away with like shoegazy like fuck around with effects even then I would probably have to like I don't know but um anyway it's uh, but it's weird that I'm like respect to Adam Levine he's he's also a great guitar player and people don't even know that but then at the same time it makes me more frustrated cuz I'm like why would you not use that yeah but again that's my bias of being a rock musician who's like why would you not get us back to being like more popular um as like more like harder rock stuff but i don't know i guess just a difference in in how you see things like maybe he feels as so as someone who loves almost exclusively harder heavier music in general if i could play like that and had that audience i would not feel fulfilled if i did not do it but that's not necessarily how Adam Levine feels. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, too, of just, you know, how many... I mean, honest, of course, because Queen is my favorite band of all time, so that's, like, my ultimate comparison to bring every single thing ever back to. And I'm not saying that I'm putting Queen and Maroon 5 in the same <laughs> in the same category here. But it does... I mean, it does have, make there me... There are some crossover in... For sure. It does make me think of Freddie because, I mean, similarly, I mean, he was a... He always was kind of down on himself about his piano skills. But, I mean, if you go listen to their first five to seven albums, like, he's on the piano a hell of a lot. And then you go watch their live shows from... Like, the 80s especially is when he kind of gave up the piano and he kind of became more of just the front man and then eventually they expanded and had a keyboard player, like, kind of off stage to the side to fill in those parts. So, like, I think it just comes down to a lot of people who know that they're born to be front men and maybe just, like, if they have literally anything else going on, they're not achieving their maximum potential of frontman abilities. You know what I mean? You just you just can't tear around the stage the same way with a, even with a guitar with a wireless rig. Like it's just not the same as just having a mic and tearing around the stage and being able to go play with the audience and stuff. Like it it just is different. When you have a guitar, it's like I don't know. When you have a guitar, I feel like you're not the frontman, sort of almost. I know not not in a literal sense, but like I know there's it's a different there's a, a different... certain kind of aura and a charisma around just a hot front man with a mic 
Yeah, or, or and that's fr- like for, friend boy. With if we're my, talking the largest portion of the audience, like that's what ninety nine percent of the world is focused on, right? Especially the non musical experiencers, or however you want to yeah. think of that. Because what, what we, when we were talking about Star Wars, would call the casual fans, the cas- <laughs> the, the, the peasants. So like, because <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's way easier to just be a bystander of music and enjoyer, a casual enjoyer of music who's not a musician. And to just look at a front man with a mic and that you can identify with because it's not an instrument. It's, you know, everyone has a voice. Almost everyone has everyone a voice. Everyone sings some. Everyone sings every now and then. So it's so easy to just relate to Adam Levine rocking out with a mic shirtless running around stage than it is if he's just up there shredding on stage. They might be yeah, like, oh, that's cool. The band are, are other. They're like, they're, they're professionals. Exactly. They're, they're, they're there for him. They're more of, of a thing. session musician kind which, of a vibe which in, which in pop terms it, yeah. it usually is yeah exactly exactly and just again the asterisk of i don't know any of the other members of the band so they might be cool dudes they might have their own yeah. stuff going on and that's just my own ignorance but, and yeah. and if we were to engage in their content more i'm sure we would they would be more prevalent yeah yeah but i to follow, the actual take, um, yeah oh sorry i Go agree ahead. i was just gonna say i agree with the take because yeah. i mean i think nickelback was fucking everywhere oh yeah just and I mean, it's again, like I said earlier, every station you turn on is playing because it doesn't need to be the rock station. It can be the yeah. top 40. It can be whatever it was playing Nickelback and same with Maroon 5. The hip stations are playing it. The rock stations are playing it. The the soft rock stations are playing it like it it just doesn't matter. They have crossover hits. They have staying power. Yeah, I would argue even that Maroon 5 has eclipsed Nickelback in that sense, because I feel like Nickelback. I haven't heard anything about Nickelback in the last several, several years. As far and, as new, as far as new and like just in the cultural they're definitely lexicon, still around. yeah, I'm sure they're still a band. Chad Kroger every now and then gets into some sort of beef, like with Corey Taylor or whatever, and sometimes <laughs> he says stuff that makes sense, and sometimes he says really dumb shit. But because I mean, I I when when I was talking about that, like she, she will be loved connection, that was that was before I I segment my life in like where I lived. So m- the first half of middle school and before I grew up in Kentucky, and the second half of middle school and after I grew up in Wisconsin. So if that's kind of how I'm like, oh, I know this is, like, kind of old if it's, like, when I still lived in Kentucky, which is where She Will Be Loved and, like, Nickelback's heyday. I feel like we're pre-2005 or around 2005, yeah, certainly. Whereas, and it was I, 2000 and, to 2005 was, yeah, like, that. Exactly. So yeah. they were both around kind of in that time period, and I feel like Maroon 5 is still in the in the know sort of now and Nickelback has kind of faded a little bit yeah yeah Nickelback is now just mostly that type that section of rock fans. yeah so Maroon 5's first album came out Maroon 5's first album came out in 2002 uh songs about Jane great album. and that was she will great be loved album. right uh yeah it's on that one yeah it's the third track yeah I have it's yeah. so weird like there's so many cd like just anything I had a cd of like I just know the tracks so well because i yeah i would just be looking at my thing and, and like especially if i when i had like one with a digital readout since my brain is so good at memory i'm I'm always like i can remember the track so fast and then i'm like why do i know that like the track number yeah but anyway that's all we had in the old days oh, you yeah. just pop in the cd and it's just track one through whatever you know there wasn't any fancy display or readout that's like this yeah. is the song title right yeah uh, anyway um, I was gonna. What I was gonna say was about Maroon Five. I think the only thing I think that is that I would disagree with on the take is that Maroon Five I think will be more palatable for longer. Like I think Nickelback's like sound is very specific, 
and Maroon 5 is a little more fluid and like has a lot of different sounds even though I think Nickelback did obviously change a lot but like they went from like I don't know oranges to grapefruits instead of oranges to apples if that makes sense yeah I agree with that I think there's also a lot more room within I mean pop isn't even really a genre as we've kind of talked about that outside of the pod before that's just kind of nonsense that I, I hate has stuck around through the decades of just being like this is all pop and it's like that's not a genre though but yeah well i think the point though is that it's not a genre it's just whatever is most right. popular but so and I th- while to calling it top 40 is a good workaround i think yeah so and my point is just being that i think it's a lot of times easier for a band like maroon 5 yeah. that that started out already on the line between a bunch of genres of of rock and the the quote-unquote genre of pop and and sort of that sort of thing it's a lot easier for them to kind of pivot and keep up with the trends than it is for a pretty straight ahead classic hard rock band like Nickelback to mm-hmm. to pivot and all of a sudden be doing like oh they had like a speed metal track on their, or they had like <laughs> Although, a black they, metal track they do like, kind of have that that's the funny thing is we're basically all working off their singles here that's but, true but like i think they in a way based on what you're saying they've both kind of just kept on the path they wanted because nickelback they were still pretty hard rock on that first album like it's st- it's it's still pretty distorted guitars punchy drums and stuff um they just happened to be hit the right time pitched well yada yada they got big maroon 5 has always been this flexible quote-unquote pop band because they're not they don't because they're not a hard rock band or anything more they have they feel no responsibility or desire to be specifically heavy or this or that so they're they're more of a david bowie type where they're like we'll just do fucking anything with any instruments whereas or i and i maybe they i don't know if that's a not a literal comparison but that freedom artistically and um whereas nickelback i think they've always and they they're, they're not the type of band to shy away from being called heavy because they do want to be but they just also want to be catchy and that's where some of the like the butt rock stuff comes in where some that era a lot of it didn't in my opinion do it in the way the way that i prefer at least yeah but they do it and then their their album cuts like one of the one of their one of their like deep cuts has a guest solo from dimebag dimebag daryl from pantera that's so like that's so tight they're they're heavy and they play heavy stuff and like i said when they did that metallica song they crushed it right and they have a good i mean both crushed and like a good sense of humor of just like like chad featured on a steel panther song like yeah Mm -hmm. i mean it's it's they are they they don't take themselves too seriously they're and they're fully in the rock world but yeah because they're not like a specific type of metal they don't call themselves punk anything like that they can be arena rock guys and just do kind of whatever but i think i think you're not wrong about maroon 5 being more palatable in the future um just like the general masses exactly but i think nickelback for in the same way that people now still as a niche thing are into like hair metal or 80 stuff and like like peacemaker has sort of like we were talking about the other weeks like it it james gunn has brought all these different things musically like back into the limelight so now i could see years from now nickelback being like that in in the equivalent of peacemaker in 20 years when some director is like oh i, I like that. this this 
and and but they'll they'll it won't be like how you remind me they'll find like that song with Dimebag so people will be like what's this and then they're like whoa there's this band called Nickelback and they had all these hits and like, whatever <laughs> like I don't know um, but yeah that was I think I guess we all mostly agree with that take I guess yeah but I mean, I with a with perfect example I do want to give one little shout out to James Valentine who is the uh, guitarist of Maroon Five and that dude's tight. I follow him on yeah, Instagram. Yeah. I follow him on Instagram and I do not follow Adam Levine on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Another shout out to the movie Begin Again featuring Adam Levine. Yeah, he's good in that. I like yeah, his beard is. in that movie also. Have I seen that? Have, have uh, you watched that? Kira Knightley, Mark Ruffalo. Okay, that is that one. Sim- yeah, it's that similar awesome. to the concept of Once. You know, it's another like, it is musical very kind of fairy, heightened but fairy more tale. But more in the like shiny rom-com setup. Yeah, shiny rom Exactly. Yeah. Once is in like, my top ten movies of Once all time. is very Begin like, Again would not chart. But... Film-wise, I feel. I don't know. Maybe that was pretentious. Say that again? <laughs> I don't want to say it again because <laughs> it was pretentious. I'll listen to it on no, the No, I pod. just said once. once I'll take my Once is like there. more raw. Like it's. Yeah, raw. yeah once well, was, once like was so made for like $100,000. And... Yeah, exactly. just like a handheld video. I camera. guess I should have just said. I didn't, Low budget seems like you're you're like throwing shade, yeah. but it's not. It's just like right. a specific style of making a movie. Um, All right. Mary, you want to do yours next? Yeah, I'm just texting my mom about food. <laughs> about Adam, Le- Adam Levine. Do you have any yeah. thoughts on Adam Levine? You want to pop in real quick, Mom? Do you remember I had that poster of him naked in my room? Not my room, in my we Alyssa and I had it in the kitchen in our apartment. That sounds so that sounds familiar, familiar, but, but I, I can't picture. Yeah, it. I can't picture it. Either. I, I, I my mind is trying to recreate it. Was in he Dickens, on like I a assume? furry thing? What? Was he laying on like a furry? No, thing? he's not laying down. He's standing straight up, and he is. is this in Dickens. Oh, the guitar is over his. Dog. No, a lady's no? hand is just. <laughs> Oh yeah, Matt's really telling on himself how many nude photos of Adam Levine he looks. No, up on I'm his own probably <laughs> thinking of like someone else who's similar. We left it on the fridge. We forgot about it because it was on the side of the fridge. <laughs> we kept saying we were gonna make clothes for him, and then we forgot. Oh, <laughs> make clothes. For we, him. That's what we said to Larkin like those, like, anyway. We'd be like, "Yeah, we're making clothes for him." God damn! I got written up for having Line and Kugel's coasters, and you guys just had mostly nude men on your refrigerators. The sexism at Belmont University. Hashtag sexism. I <laughs> we'll have a whole episode calling out Belmont. No, just kidding, of course. Wow. But, uh, but, but quit Belmont calling Rose. me for donations. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's oh, like the man. big. That's the big uh, benefit of Matt and I not graduating. We don't get called for donations. They're like, <laughs> yeah, oh, that you're is... poor. Never mind. Also, however many years fewer of student loan debt. Yeah. One. Well, that's the real benefit. That, well, yeah. if I whatever it would have taken me to finish, we also can't refinance. Been, so. All right, Mary, what's your first one? Um. <laughs> sorry, I just got to. Well, that's our show. <laughs> Tune in next week. Mary, Mary was just full on, just frozen. Just I was just reading a really. I was trying to read a text message. She's texting her I mom. Didn't make any sense. Oh, okay. It was about basketball, and it was just. I don't know. It didn't make sense to me. Uh. Anyway. Fired up about it. Here is my tweet. I was on Twitter, and this person says, hot take, today's hip-hop music is nothing more than verbal porn, not interesting, not creative, and not entertaining. Give me old school any day. All right. I'm like, I feel like... I'm not even like a hip-hop head, and I know that's garbage. Yeah, yeah like I, know, garbage. I know that's like <laughs> reverse. The, the more explicitly sexual lyrics were definitely in the 90s, like like Lil' Kim, Biggie, Tupac. Oh, yeah. all, all of those had like 
My neck, my and back is like 20 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, so. Yeah, that, I mean, like, Eminem, FAC, like, <laughs> just so many specific songs that are like, how much shock value can we go for in yeah. one song? Where it's just like, that was such a specific 90s. Yeah, there, I think there's, there's valid my things neck, my back to criticize modern hip hop about. Right. But, but the, the, the sexual nature is not, if you're going to compare it to old school, that yeah. is not one is not more than the other it has remained yeah. no. consistent yeah i mean i can't especially comment on today's hip-hop trends because i just don't listen to anything outside of like mid-2010s tech nine and earlier and just like og eminem and occasional other shit just well, like and, and non-mainstream not... stuff like clipping or flow oh yeah or... fuck i for... yeah yeah of course clipping and flowbots and stuff like that and neither of those are just like ex- like sexually explain you know those right those, that's just not what they those are the songs ant- are about. antithesis of of this hot take of just yeah. being like clipping is all about like i mean not only racial issues but just all sorts of cultural issues and shit like that and and, yeah. and tech too on a certain level he's like half and half it's like half yeah. jokes and half like like fuck, that was some good shit, Tech. I'm gonna go meditate on that for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like, he he is the. I mean, it because he had Surge on a song. He's kind of like System of a Down in that way, or like a pop punk band where it's like <laughs> they can fuck around, but then occasionally have a real really sad song. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So that's what. So anyway, yeah. yeah. Off the top of my head, yeah, hard disagree. Yeah, we, we've just cut this guy off hard. Yeah, I mean, like and like like WAP. Yes, obviously, there's always gonna be one that rises to the top and then makes everybody think that because this one extremely explicit song is famous that all yeah. things are going to be just like that i feel like like male hip-hop artists have like toned it down and like female hip-hop artists have ratcheted it up in a yeah. double entendre there but like <laughs> i mean i'm into well, yeah, it it's and power to them yeah, yeah i mean it was working and and they're there i think so people have their preferences for popular female rappers but i think even in the even in the up and coming ones, there's probably more female rap. I, I think it's safe to say more female rappers now than ever. Like, yeah, that's probably absolutely. always going to be safe to say that. <laughs> but um, yeah. Anyway, continue, Mary. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't. I think, like, the major. I don't know. I guess I'm like a, a little, bu- probably behind on the like hip hop trends because I don't listen. I don't, I don't listen to as much rap and hip hop as I used to. And like mumble rap was really not my thing. So around when that really started getting popular, I kind of like took a backseat and only listened yeah. to Kanye. And now I don't, <laughs> I still listen don't to Kanye. Anymore but well, yeah, I mean, if he, I don't like to like, but something about <laughs> fucking you in a sink. And after that, get you something to drink. What a lyric. Yeah. Bound. <laughs> Bound. Yeah, that's that's when I realized I was like, okay, yeah, he's legit at not actually that good. People were coming. Oh, that album is so good. Mary, Mary's gonna come There's through. There's no the way. I mean, at least all right, is, that's fair. That's, I'll say yeah, maybe he is that good, but that song that song I you can find artistic good, value man. in most things. But Bound two. Bound two. We're talking about Bound Two. <laughs> but how oh, fucking it. I know. <laughs> You're tired of loving. Oh man! But it's but I mean, in I'm grateful for the experience and the memories that Kanye put into my brain mm-hmm. by releasing Bound Two at the time that he did. We were juniors in high school, not high school. We didn't know each other in high school. Juniors in college, 
And then, of course, the Franco-Rogan cut numb, of never. recreating the Bound 2 music video. Like, uh, although that's, thank you, thank you, that's Kanye. soured now. <laughs> thank you. Well, right. Thank you, Kanye. No, thank you, that, James though. Franco. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, Damn, I, so cool. Will I be able to watch Pineapple Express? <laughs> I love Pineapple Express. Next it's week's so podcast topic, men. <laughs> Hot takes about men. I have none. <laughs> <laughs> They're all just regular takes. Yeah. We agree on all the takes. Anyway, I just don't think, I don't think it, I also just like don't think it matters if hip hop is like, I don't, I just like also don't think, I think you could be nasty and creative also. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah for I, sure. I can, I get it. I do get annoyed, and it's the same thing I get annoyed with with radio rock. Is it seems like that kind of dominates, and it's it it's often come is done in a cringy way from yeah. my perspective. And if it's the only thing at the expense of other stuff, it bums me out. But again, this might be from that musician perspective of like kind of knowing like a wider variety of things just for for different reasons most people wouldn't think about that so i mean maybe it's just a whole free market thing but yeah i mean free market and just like my my biggest excuse me my sipping absinthe is giving me the burps um <laughs> my biggest thing is just like it's impossible to tell what anyone else is thinking or like what their true i mean i guess unless they explicitly say it but like what their true intent is behind a particular song and it's only more complicated when you get into like modern stuff where there's hella co-writers and all this sort of stuff behind the scenes that the the public might not even know about but like as long as artists are being true to what they want to do this sounds so corny but like seriously as long as people are releasing what they want to be releasing as long as Eminem was like oh fac is going to be hilarious like <laughs> and as long as Nickelback is like oh animals is going to be like a really good bit and we're going to piss people off and it's funny and like it's gross but it's all but like we're but laughing about it Maroon 5 also has a song named animals that's gross too but that's the thing is I don't know if it's tongue in cheek well that's exactly that's the thing. Like, yeah, that's what I'm that. saying. We can't ever know the intent. So that's sort of my hesitation yeah. to dismiss or confirm any of these or just yeah. like if they're only making it like I think part of it is sure it's it's like to get the attention, you know, so many, especially like with with just the racial breakdown of, of hip hop artists and stuff like that. Like, you know, that all plays into it of historically. I mean, I'm talking way back, but even still current day, like sometimes it's harder for um, artists of color and stuff like that to get certain airplay or, or whatever. They need something that breaks out. They need something that grabs the public attention. So I'm certainly not going to denigrate anyone for doing what they have to do to get that attention. You know what I mean? If they feel like, you know, 99% of my album is going to be me just with mad bars. And then yeah. the other 1% is going to be this super gross song that everyone's <laughs> going to be talking about. Like, I get it. I respect the the well, art of that. Yeah, know? I agree. But I think it's what's funny is like the grossest hip hop songs are usually the like intentionally funny ones. I know they exactly. Are, they are the deep track <laughs> ones. Um, so yeah, that also kind of disproves right. this take even more. And like, right, you said it wants a slut. <laughs> exactly. I mean, fucking Nate Dogg, and I mean, shake that like. I'm never gonna not laugh at that song. Like it's just <laughs> and, and just and then, singing and a lot. There's a bunch of Eminem ones and D12 ones like that. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah. Like that's I I have ludicrous no for sure. I have no qualms with that. I think the problem is when people take themselves too seriously yeah. and they're like 
this isn't what hip hop should be, or this isn't what this should be. Like, right. don't this shouldn't be gross. Say, it's, that's exactly right. the it's same like, yeah, as this is punk or this isn't. Like, yeah. sure, there's some obvious standout things that are like messed up and like trying to like actual posers or whatever, but punk and hip hop are both genres. So if you are playing the instruments in this style, you are playing that style. Right. Whether it's good or not, or someone likes it or not, is a different thing altogether. Yeah. Also, uh, I was, uh, I can't even remember what I was thinking. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But mostly like, oh, I don't, no, I was thinking about like um, something reminding me of like, like Lil Nas X doing the uh, Montero Call Me By Your Name song, which like was like very clearly on purpose. <laughs> right like yeah using well, he's, the, yeah, like he's been a troll the whole time like the good kind of troll yeah and again he probably would have come up earlier in this podcast if i was more up to date on modern hip-hop trends and yeah. stuff yeah and i don't but like yeah that he's the very I feel like he's little a of his example. i've heard isn't to me like isn't what i think of when i think hip-hop or rap to me he's yeah just he's pop which again whether that's a genre or not it's but pop now i think or i mean technically bedroom pop because he that's kind of how he did it at first which is according maybe not spotify but probably uh Bandcamp bedroom pop is a genre so i'm i'm saying a real thing yeah i think he's been he's been a i mean number one i feel like he kind of came out of nowhere number two i feel like he grabbed it by the horns and just made it his bitch well, that's exactly right. He said, I saw a tweet from him, and this is this is what made me like him so much. Like, even though I don't really listen to his his stuff, I, I don't definitely don't dislike it either. But um, I saw a tweet that was like something about him coming out of nowhere, being overnight success or whatever. Like, how did it go viral? And he's like, he's like, Cause I, cause like I promoted the shit out of it, bitch. Like, <laughs> and he's like, and he's like, I and he was yeah, he was just doing bits on social media to get attention and that's how that's how uh old town road got big yeah. was he was just doing bits and posting it in weird places and making jokes and and just putting it everywhere and it it's it's that type of which again this isn't necessarily an attack on that song but there's a sp- specific type of pop annoying pop melody that like especially in the last 10 years i think has been a thing where it's it's almost seemingly from my perspective intentionally kind of annoying sarcastically or whatever it's like it's like intentionally overly simple and almost monotone which i'm sure comes from a lot of different musical sources like there's probably a whole history of that that melodic style that you could trace um but it had that so he he put it everywhere and then he had like the per- the perfect recipe for a viral song, um, and so yeah, he just he did it all right as far as far as like gaining traction, and then whether you're into that musical style is up to you. And then of course, just like even even more power to him that like I, I, I'm I don't mean this at like this is not at all shots fired at WAP like that you know it everything is what it is on its own, but like how. I feel like Lil Nas X even took a path separate from, like, he just took it even deeper in a meaningful way yeah. of just, like, I'm not just going to be, like, gross for the attention oh, or yeah. stuff like that. It's like, you know, I mean, he's talking about social shit and, like, deep issues and, and all of that sort of stuff. And not even, be, like, be, not beating around the bush either, doing, like, live shit, like, all this 
all and I mean I'm talking on my ass here too. I've already said I don't listen to that much of his stuff, but just from what I've seen in the in the public eye, for sure, seems like a cool a cool dude trying to to be a positive force. And as long as I mean that's that's really what it's about. Like we said with the context and the intent, as long as you're trying to be a positive force or or you're just having fun with it, you know. I mean, like if you're just releasing a gross track to laugh about it, like you know, I've made my fair share of like weird, gross parody songs in the past, like. You, you know what I mean? It's it's such a fine line between, like, oh, this is, like, a sicko who, like, is just this pervert and is, like, releases this gross music. Or if it's just, like, clearly this is a joke and as long as you're in on the joke, it's funny. Like, it's it's just – and then, of course, the – like I said, the little Nas X of, like, trying to do some cultural shit of just – it's it, – it really – it is what you make it. It is the artist's intent and it is, like, how puritanical you're going to be about your own music consumption, like – because at the end of the day, as long as you're enjoying it, I mean, it's it's not like the music is going to brainwash you or anything. Like, you can appreciate gross, tactless music and not be like, this is utter trash and, like, I hate myself for liking it. You know? You like what you like. If, if you're going to – I mean, I keep coming back to fact because yeah. that was such a heavy rotation in my childhood of my pre-2005 before I moved, just having Eminem – I don't know if that was on Curtain Call or Encore or whatever, but just like wherever it was, if I had a greatest hits or the actual album of that was on constant rotation in my CD player was like Eminem's greatest hits. A lot of which in that time period were, were not clean or appropriate in a lot of ways. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think that's made me a pervert. That's just. (laughs) Shout out to our parents for not, uh, well, Sean and I's parents, especially for just, Letting us run loose with I'm Eminem. Not, no, 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 no. Yeah. I'm not shouting out my parents for anything music related in terms of what I was allowed to listen to. I had to have like friends burn me CDs uh-huh. of explicit shit. Like I was only allowed we, to yeah, listen we, to clean shit from I, the library. I didn't hear the real versions yeah. of most of those songs till my parents college. would have shit a brick <laughs> if they listened to Fac when I was listening to Fac. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I had friends burning me. Ramstein, Lincoln Park, oh, okay. all right. Eminem, all of that so shit. Only my parents I, are cool, is what we're saying. Only your parents were cool. <laughs> my parents? Maybe Matt's parents, too. I don't know his parents. No, well, no you I, said I, in the past I, the same thing with clean edited, versions. Yeah, I had to, we had clean versions. It, it was it was pretty all over the place as to what was okay and what wasn't, so I don't, I don't know. But I had the clean versions, and it was still great. Like when we're talking like of the Eminem show and yeah. stuff. Um, well, my thing was only like if it had the parental advisory like specific sticker on it, I could not have that version. Right. But if it Same. didn't have but that was always kind of self-enforced, I think. I don't even think that was like the RIAA or anything. I don't think enforced those labels. I don't know who enforced those labels, but there were a lot of explicit stuff. But certain stuff stores that, would you Yeah, would certain have stores to. well or they'd have it on like the external packaging, but not the album art itself. So like you could game the system with my parents <laughs> if like the C D cover itself didn't say parental advisory and I could get it from the library and it was still explicit, they'd be none the wiser. But I couldn't like go to Best Buy and buy a Jay Z C D that said parental advisory right on the front. Right. I just had to. Anyway, I'm digressing. No, that. Yeah. I remember, like, my, one time, my parents. This is a little unrelated, but my parents. Uh, this not my parents, just my mom, decided. Um, to I don't know, pretend to be like the other parents for a day, and we went to go get <laughs> The Sims Two, and it was like, on the back it said like rated T for crude, crude, crude humor. <laughs> and she was like, I don't know if you guys should have this, and we were like. 
excuse me? <laughs> it's like, bitch, I've been murdering people in Grand Theft Auto for the last six years. I think I can handle anyway. some crude humor. I, was, anyway. I feel like every once in a while my parents would like like try and try and regulate us. And we were like, it's too late. You've already ruined us. <laughs> you let us watch anything on TV always. So, you know. You could do a whole podcast on just parents, yeah. hot takes on parents. <laughs> that would be interesting actually once we get further in if, if any if anyone out there respects what we have to say at all maybe that would be interesting. <laughs> yeah three but, people who don't have children talking about yeah. that, that too that's fair that would yeah, be a reason at least two of which have no plans to have children correct <laughs> yeah that's true um but uh anyway sean what is your first musical hot take that you have found for us all right y'all so I didn't grab like the actual post or quote because it was a lot of these were like paragraphs long. Yeah, so you can, can I'm just going to rephrase them in sure. my own words. Um, also, I wrote down like five specific things and numerous of them could be my own hot take. So maybe we'll have a lightning round at the end. But <laughs> I works. think I think one time. that I think one that's going to be good, um, especially just since since Matt and I are are wrapping up an album. Um so this was, I don't know if I'd even say it's a hot take, but it definitely is a take that, pro- well, I'll say it's a hot take because a lot of people would probably get up in arms. Um, this was uh, from Reddit. I think it was in the audio engineering subreddit. I could be wrong. It might have been We Are The Music Makers. But either way, it was somebody who was having their first studio experience um, and basically just were kind of let down at the end of that experience of they spent however many hundreds or thousands of dollars and then at the end of all of it they still kind of preferred you know their own how they had recorded it in their bedroom and and sort of the the topic of demoitis and and you know some of the responders to that take were okay well did you did only you prefer it first of all so you know i speaking for myself i know i get demoitis very easily um and then second of all did did you like a b it back and forth like you know to make sure you're not just having the idea that's in your head and you think that you like this one when you do a blind test you really like the other one and then the third component of that being what do other people prefer you know what I mean? You can record something in your bedroom and you fall in love with it and you like the way it sounds and maybe it doesn't sound as good as it would in a studio, but maybe other people would hear that exact same audio and be like, oh, this sounds like it was recorded in a bedroom and that's taking me out of the experience or whatever. So I guess the hot take is just this person preferred how their bedroom recordings sounded versus paying thousands and thousands of dollars for a studio, you know, and I know that's something that's come up within the band. Um and probably, Mary, you've thought about that at some point, too, with your own musical uh, mm-hmm. ambitions. So let's get into it. What do you guys think? Bedroom recordings versus studio recordings. Is there a right answer? Is there? Well, I'll, I'll first of all, I'll, well, sorry. I should have just let you finish your question. I was like, I have a thought. I must say. <laughs> but but also, it's a callback. Um, I You said, is there a right answer? And I'm going to say this is one of those situations where no. Right. Um, That's like what I'd say, too. Mary, in, I can't remember which episode this is, but I quoted Dave Grohl, R.I.P. Taylor Hawkins. Um, on Dave Grohl was on Hot Ones, and, and they were talking about the whole Foo Fighters recording the tape so they couldn't change stuff after. 
and then he was like do you do you think that's better or whatever and and dave said for us yes for anyone else i don't know and i and it's like yeah so i i was gonna say and and mary i do really want to hear what you say because i don't i don't know if we've talked about this before and it's you have a different way of making music i think than than we do being a four and five piece band versus a solo artist um we like i really still when we have the opportunity and the means would like to have that full kind of studio experience even if we have to wait and i'm being really positive here wait till we do either like get signed or um get enough of a following that we can afford to like be there for days and do the whole like studio not not necessarily make a studio documentary although i would probably try yeah but like that experience of like watching sevenfold self-titled or the blink album launch documentary and stuff like that and being like yeah i want that experience and i would be able i would love to also write in that like environment and have that just be all I do for a few weeks. Like that would be really cool. Um, that's like the dream, but also I love being able to do what we can do independently. Like almost entirely DIY, um, and really micromanage because we were really, really happy with our first album and we already know this next one is going to like be a huge step up. So it's like, there are bands that I love where I'm like, man, like where they'll have a good sounding album and then a bad one, like mix wise and stuff. And I'm like, how does that happen? Like, I, I think it's like something I, I'm thankful for with us where so far we can, we're like, we can be improving. And part of that is due to like technology allowing us to take our time and do so many things that we probably like some of the stuff maybe you couldn't do in certain studios based on the space or what gear they had and stuff like you can do anything. Um, so that, that being said, that's why I'm saying there's no right answer. And also my answer of, I, I want to do both. I want to be able to do a studio, but that's not really the best course for us right now. And we've taken what is the best course for us and, that being said, Mary, yeah, what 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 are you like? Did you watch documentaries like that when you were first starting music, or did you have any no. aspirations towards studio stuff, no. or you were just like, how does do whatever? So I think I was much more enterprising when I was younger, and like better at being able to sit and like, I don't know, I was like better at. I think I would. I've definitely digressed. No, is that it? Yeah, regressed, regressed. I've regressed in like my production skills from when I was younger even though like anything I make now sounds better just like technology wise I like don't have as many ideas and I don't know I don't like don't I feel like I never know what I'm doing anymore I'm always like I think it's because I had an eight track I had an eight track digital recorder so like I had to do everything on there and I think like not having any options to like be on a computer at the time like helped me I don't know but like I think I mean, I agree with you. It's like, it's who, I mean, where you record is up to you. And, you know, some people like, I mean, Billie Eilish still pretty much records in her brother's bedroom. So right, they were even talking about doing like no time to die, like parts of it. They were like, 
this doesn't feel like it's a bond this can't be a bond song we're like doing it in a bedroom but like that's just the way they did it and then they sent it i guess johnny marr did a bunch of work on it which i didn't know until yesterday which is cool yeah johnny marr's done a bunch of stuff with like hans zimmer and stuff like that Mm -hmm. too i didn't know until recently he's he's all over the map but yeah i think you both touch on a lot of really good points which are number one that this take is much larger than just like the quality of the literal recording there's so many other things to take into account when you when you go to a studio to do something you're not just doing it to be like oh so we have the best mics and so we have Mm -hmm. you know a, a, a good drum room and like all this stuff it is partially for those 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 psychological factors of putting yourself in a specific space so that you're not thinking about your everyday life you know what I mean you're not being distracted by your own loud ass refrigerator clicking on or or just whatever it could be anything it could be internal it could be external so I think that's a really big factor of number one it's just the mindset it's about are we going somewhere to make this record so that this record can be 100% the focus and I think to just be perfectly honest I think that's come back to bite us in Patrick a little bit sometimes of just we don't you know we it's it's a blessing and a curse that we don't have a defined range of dates that we're going to a studio to work on either a particular song or the album as a whole you know sometimes life gets in the way when you're recording at home whether again whether that's internal issues if you're having you know, mental health struggles or whatever, or if it's external and you just literally don't have the time because you're working so much or your equipment is on the fritz and like you don't have the money to fix it, like all of that sort of, I mean, not that you'd have then have the money to go to a studio anyway, but just all of these, these secondary factors outside of the actual technology of, of what that studio could have provided in the past that you didn't have access to at home whatsoever. I mean, like even just now recording this podcast in Matt's apartment with a little two channel interface recording directly into logic with two separate mics. Like, I mean, even that 20 years ago, would we have been able to do this in this quality of just spoken human word in an apartment and then video conferencing with Mary, who's also recording herself and putting it all together in post. Like, no, we couldn't have done that. But, like, just, yeah, again, a lot of times it's not about the quality. I started off with music recording myself, like, I guess, did I really do anything? No, I didn't I didn't really record myself in Kentucky. So this was all 2007, 2008, probably, of just, you know, running the headphone output of my solid-state Vox amp into the mic input of my motherboard sound card on my previous computer on my desktop computer when I was a child you know I right I didn't have an interface I didn't have any concept of gain staging I didn't know the first thing about audio engineering but I think that's one thing that spurred my own not necessarily innovation but at least lit that spark under me to be like okay here's the things I can definitely do at home And just being able to right away just be like, this is the guitar I already own, the amp I already own, and the computer I already own, and I have these cables, and I can hook them up, and I can record myself. Yeah. Just that at the basic minimum of being able to digitally record myself at a very young age has opened so many doors of of just – and I'll I'll kind of cannibalize one of my other potential takes. I won't use this for one of my takes now, but just of – 
you know, when you're just starting, having a basic concept of music theory and, like, the idea of the musical arrangement versus just, like, writing a song. You know what I mean? It's the same song, but maybe you're moving the parts around so that they don't clash, and then also bringing in, like, very basic audio engineering stuff. Like, you can go such a long way with only gain staging and panning and basic eq yeah like like if you have the right arrangement and you have like decent sounding gear mm-hmm. truly 99 percent of it is going to just be making sure your levels are good making sure your automation is good when things need to be out of the way and making sure that your eq is good anything past that you can just send to an engineer or something to right to to spice up and add some sparkle and and make it what it's going to be. It's still going to sound like you recorded it in your bedroom, sure, but it's going to be more or less pro quality bedroom. You know what right. I mean? It's going to be as it's not going to be like I just turned on my voice memo app on my iPhone and put it next to my amp and recorded something like you can go a long way in your own studio, yeah. even I mean in your own house, even just with minimal knowledge of yeah. of what you're actually doing. As long as you know how to plug things into an interface, how to record things without clipping like mm-hmm. you know just I was thinking get over too, like humps. some of it might be like this person's issue might have been like they maybe they accidentally overproduced themselves i feel like that's very easy to do yeah. when you've been yeah, recording it, yeah. at home and you're just like it's too hard to overproduce yourself because yeah it's just a nightmare but then like if you're you know where it's easier to do it like where it's easier to do anything you like have all these ideas and like you're not really as forced to edit yourself because you're like is at home you're like i have if i have this idea i have to do it and i have to figure out how to do it right but whereas like if you have other people with you you're like okay this is my idea how can we do it like you could very easily i think just overproduce yourself there's plenty of like artists that i used to like when in like the myspace heyday like that i loved that i just would like that i had all their like recordings from their various bedrooms and then as soon as they would like get into a studio, I was like, mm, don't like this anymore. And like, yeah, I think sure. that was like definitely just my taste at the time was just very like. Mm-hmm. Well, I get in, I get, bedroom. I get myself. Yeah. But, I get myself into that rut a lot with like demoitis and stuff like that. And just the other day I sent a text to the, to the band group chat of just like, we're wrapping up some final like vocal tracking and we're getting ready to send things off to be mixed. And it's like, I get so in my own head and and just for clarity i recorded all my parts in my, in my own home i get so in my head about is it good enough is it is it this is it that mm-hmm. and demoitis where like i'll record something initially to send the idea out to the band and then i just get so freaked out about re-recording that because i feel like there's some extra bit of magic dust on that original recording yeah and that's not even necessarily objective that's a story like, of uh nebraska you know, you know? uh they uh for the uninitiated bruce springsteen uh has an album called nebraska that's all acoustic because he recorded that album in his own home studio all acoustic that and those were supposed to be the demos the tracks that are actually on the released album and then they did an e street they started e street versions and they were like this is bad (laughs) this is that he was like this isn't what i want this isn't this doesn't sound like anything like i liked about the demos so like 
just putting out yeah. the demos so, I mean, and his label was not happy <laughs> but i said i mean that's the bottom line it's just as long as you're happy with something yeah. like i guess nothing else really matters and i mean i this or i guess late last year put out a somewhat of a compilation of just unfinished and various stages of completion shit that i'd been working on for not that i've been working on they'd just been sitting on my hard drive for the last 10 years or somewhere in that span between 10 years and now of just like different covers and musical ideas that I didn't send to the band or, or just other stuff. And it's like, if you're happy with it, just put it out. And that's kind of where I've landed more recently of, of completed versus perfection. You know, it's, you don't have to go spend thousands of dollars to put out this polished record with a famous producer that, that it sounds like it's ready to go on the radio. Like if, if that's your goal, then yeah, probably work towards that and that sort of a thing. But if you're just making music to make music or or you're just making music like and you're in a genre where it doesn't need to be perfectly polished in every way, you know, if you're not trying to break that top 40 shit, like just do what makes you happy and release it. And as long as it's not abysmal, people are going to listen to it. We've already said multiple times we have demo versions of stuff that we're more stoked on than actual mm. versions whether it's our own stuff or actual bands so like people if they i mean people are going to like what they like if they only ever hear the demo version they're going to like the demo version like don't worry about re-recording it later this is the version if they like the song they'll like it yeah as long as it meets like yeah what you're you're going for right like nobody wants to hear my 2008 recordings from my vox into my motherboard sound card of just <laughs> it's just a solid brick of hard limited distorted guitar like it's there's there's no wave form it's just a rectangle <laughs> that would be that would be funny i think there is a context in which people would want to hear it like if it's you were talking about it like if you were being interviewed or and we'll something, cut to that now no, yeah just exactly like you're just like if you were telling this story let's say some cha- tv channel was interviewing you and some amazing editor was working on it and they like somehow had that and then you would be telling that story, and they could cut to the terrible, like, it's audio. Because I've got so stuff fizzy. like that, too. It's just the game I've is got, cranked to 11. I've probably got gigabytes of one-minute-long, like, just riff avalanches of messy shit yeah. saved. On, yeah, I've got all that old shit. Weird, I saved yeah. everything. I, I don't have all of it. I, I probably don't have most of it. Um or it's on like random thumb drives scattered around the wake of where I've lived, like here in Georgia, wherever. But um, yeah, I yeah, I think it's whatever, whatever makes it, whatever, whatever you can do. Yeah, like yeah. whatever it takes, I guess, is kind of my stance because that's how like I'm almost sort of approaching it, um, just to make sure we do we do what we want to do. Um, but and with things like drums too especially it's is you know it's it's like it is objectively way harder to record drum an acoustic drum kit well right so like what you, you were saying I mean? before yeah. of it depends on the genre so like billy eilish is a uh is a great example because she got famous doing i mean i think actually she literally is bedroom pop yeah. like that's what yeah, she, that's, her early stuff would be described as i would think she's sort, she's sort of the the uh I don't know, poster child of the bedroom yeah. pop. Yeah, and uh, I mean, there's been versions for a long time before that, but she's like the biggest version, the most successful yeah. commercially. And because that's the sound she got famous with and and her music and 
the music that came immediately before her, like pop top 40 wise has really been trending like minimalist mm-hmm. as far as instrumentation. It's, and it's especially like, with like it, the, the rise of TikTok. It's like so much of that is, you know, in your bedroom. Cause that's like, you're just making a TikTok, And then all of a sudden you're like, although there is something to be said, there's like a bunch of shit. There's some like fuckery going on with like a now versus like a year or two ago with TikTok, where oh, like for sure. people will like, I've seen so many different examples of like, there'll be a, someone will have commented, like make a song about this. And then you like go find that art, like that, commenter and it's like it's an exec it's like it's like a low level exec oh yeah from they, the they do from the record label and like that's kind of which to be fair it's like they're they're good marketing they're just yeah they're just doing they're doing what's gonna get they still made the song yeah like um but it, it, and I, I can see where it's a little when it's charlie puth himself it's a little disingenuous yeah but he's also just kind of doing a bit yeah like who it's obviously not how he actually wrote this Although it makes me, it makes me like it less because yeah. it's just him putting samples together. And I know that he's an incredibly talented musician. Like he knows yeah. what he's doing. It just bothers me that that's, that's technically the way you get the best sounding thing is if you just combine a bunch of these samples, everything is consistent. Yeah. And if it's minimalist, like rhythm and he's the main melody is him, like, of course, I guess uh, a credit to him for making something that sounds good that way, because technically that is minimalism using like the most basic stuff. But it's also like, God, to me, it's to me, it's boring, but I like a very specific type of music. But um, yeah, it's but that makes sense that uh, Billie Eilish or if you're doing stuff where you don't ve- only some of it is played with instruments a lot of its samples um or digital drums and and then just guitars plugged straight in and reverb and obviously just digital keyboards so you're playing it but you can do any sound you want so you come up with a lot of interesting stuff which is one of the big merits of that style is you can like if you get really into like the synth nerd side of things like I I love a good synth sound. It's just that I don't like most synth sounds. <laughs> like and but when like that's why I love churches so much. They just the specific sounds are so good and their first b- several hits were done like in uh just in the apartment like and then Lauren came over like when on her off time from I think law school. And they were like, hey, will you sing on this stuff for us? And then it just blew up because it was fucking great. Like, because the songs, but again, they are that thing of like, if you've, if you've got like a good song and then I'm, I sound like I'm like a, a mannequin at the country music hall of fame or whatever, but it's like, if you got a good song, <laughs> everything will come. But like, yeah, like if, if you take a church's song or even a Skrillex song or anything that's like fully electronic, the good ones that get really popular, I think often like when transcribed to an orchestra or just a piano, they still sound really cool. Um, so, yeah, and that that lends itself to the bedroom side of things. But if like Billie Eilish, like she did that stuff in her bedroom, but to make it a bond theme, because that's a specific thing, I'm sure they yeah 
did it with a live orchestra after she made this her vocals and the original like demo I think that's, tracks. I think that's how they did it. I'm not positive. But... I would assume that seems that's kind of the thing. And I mean, really, that's kind of the thing in any genre is you record the stuff that you do, which in Billie Eilish's case is piano and more like lo-fi electric electronic instruments. She does that, and but then the same thing with Avenged Sevenfold. That's a five-piece metal band. <laughs> Both of them, once they finish that, then an orchestra can come in and do that. Right. So you can always like make something into into something else by just adding yeah. a new genre or process or layer. Which, and my point for that is that requires it can require both home and yeah studio. So it's I guess it, this I'm saying like if the implication is that you don't need studios at all absolutely not but if if but at the same time if it's not done in a studio it doesn't mean it's any less legit than something done it done at abbey road right i mean if it's released with the intention for being released to the public as a work of art then yeah that's there everything's on technically on a level playing field as far as like what is legitimate in my eyes we've been like i mean all of all of the like live instrument recording of uh folklore and evermore the taylor switch albums were all done all of her like vocal and and instrumentals were done at her house which of course is like nice but she had actually said around that time she's like i've never recorded anything at home not just on my phone and i thought that was just like yeah she doesn't have a home studio a brain fuck to me to think about like i was like wow like Cause she's just never, she went from zero to 60 so quickly, I guess, in a lot of ways. And that's a whole other thing, but like, she didn't have to do a lot of home demos when she was a kid, because when she was a kid, she already was signed to Sony. So like, fuck, that was just to hear that. I was like, wait a minute, that's probably true. And that's crazy. Just to have like, never recorded yourself at home is nuts to me what what i thought you were gonna say which is also interesting is just to think that there's there is an uh an mp3 or whatever the file type in the iphone voice memo thing that there's one that is the original recording of a like massive taylor yeah well she puts those on there's like there's a bunch of those on uh spotify that she like released oh like the original releases along with albums she'll just like do her little voice she'll release the voice memo sometimes and sometimes they're very different than the song and sometimes they're like they've sampled the voice memo because it's like it's just the way they wanted it or she wanted it but crazy do you guys think you would be as comfortable like did both of you start i'm trying to think the best way to phrase this when you when each of you first started playing music how long was there how long was the gap between you starting to play music and you starting to record your own music like for me it was more or less immediate it was like one well well, not immediate it wasn't immediate immediate because i started piano lessons as a kid and i didn't ever record myself playing piano lessons yeah and i didn't record myself playing trumpet in like middle school high school band but like when i got my electric guitar i more or less started recording myself pretty quickly within a couple of months of either without drums or with just like like me playing along to 
like kind of karaoke tracks but you know they were only missing the guitar instead of missing the vocals so then my guitar would be the guitar on the track so I I I did those sorts of things really early on and I feel like that exponentially helped me as a musician because it got me used to playing with a band while I wasn't in a band it got me used to playing you know not literally with a click track although I did for my own original recordings but like it just got me into that mindset of being like okay, the rhythm is, is 100% what I have to keep up on because you can miss notes as long as you're staying with the rest of the band. And it that's that's kind of the inflection point where it became less of me like stopping stopping what I was playing to figure out my mistake and got me more of that mindset of like, okay, well, I have to keep up with other people or I have to keep up with this click. Like you can't just stop for a minute and futz around and fix your solo and then yeah. continue on. So. So I I feel like recording myself really kicked me up a notch in terms of skill level because then I had something that was concrete and not just when I was done playing, I patted myself on the back and said that that felt good to yeah. play and then I put it away, you know. I think recording myself, I think it, it got me in a lot of bad habits that I had to fix over time. Like I still am not great at playing with a click track and I'm nearing 30 and have been recording my own music since I was like 14. So like that's obnoxious. Not being able to like I'm very bad at playing. I have no rhythm. And that's what my own I think that's like I mean that's just like inherent, I think. Are you are you do it when you're recording to the click though? Are you um are you doing just a guitar take or are you singing and playing at the same time? It depends. Usually it's worse if I it's worse if I sing too usually but sometimes sometimes what i'll do is do like like at this point in my life sometimes what i do to like work around myself is i'll play it and sing it as a scratch with the trick with the uh click and then just like not some like like fumble over some words and then i'll re-record the guitar over it without the click and like i keep myself in rhythm because i'm like hearing myself playing the guitar which is ridiculous. Yeah, no, that's that's a legit trick. Like and that's it's annoying, but yeah, no, I think I got in a lot of bad habits, but it helped my songwriting because there were so many. Like, I mean, I would write so personally, especially when I was really young, that I was like not gonna. I was not about to play that for my family and friends. I was like, absolutely not. Am I gonna play this for people I know when I've written it? Uh, so like, just being able to like post it to whatever random internet message board I was interested in at the time and be like, you guys like my shit? And they'd be like, no, <laughs> would help me. Cause I was like, okay, well that didn't work. Like I liked it. So like, I don't know, whatever. But I think musically it uh, fucked me a little bit, but that's probably my own problem. Cause like, I just am not, uh, I don't, I'm not, I like very much struggle with even calling myself a musician sometimes. Cause I'm so, bad at music <laughs> <laughs> well i think that that's that's a good point that you brought up too about like where where i was going with with your point is is you know you talking about sharing it on message boards or, or what have you it's i mean at this point in 2020 well i mean this is even we're talking 10 15 years ago but even now more than ever it's like i mean if you're not recording yourself what are you doing right 
You, you know what yeah. I mean? Like if you not necessarily you, in a good way. Exactly. If you yeah. if you can't record yourself, if you don't have the ability or the the know the know how to record yourself, like that's that's more or less a requirement, and that might be yeah. its own hot take. Like I don't want to go too far down that, but like no, I, think you're right. I mean at 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 this, but like especially with TikTok and just with everything, like you need to know how to record yourself well, or at least mm-hmm. again decently. To not have it be trash. Like, don't put your iPhone across the room and then only use that camera audio. Like, that's going to sound like you're talking in a cavern because of untreated rooms and all this shit. But, like, if you're, you could be the world's best piano player and just, if you are only playing for yourself or for your family or friends or like small recitals, like, and you're not able to, to record yourself faster than a classic like studio every three years to do an album like you're just gonna fade away if you're an independent musician at least like, if yeah if you're if you're intending to be an artist yeah the <laughs> the musician it's i think that's fully shifted over the last 50 years probably of just you know nobody recording themselves at home and then now it's like if you can't at least do a demo at home what are you doing like you yeah. can't wait and then shell out the money to just do a demo in the studio. Like an interface is going to cost you under 200 bucks and a good quality mic is going to cost you under 400 bucks. And like Bob's your uncle. There are any, oh, yeah. you, can get Reap- you can get Reaper for free. You can get Logic for 200 bucks. Like you can get anything and just under a grand more or less have professional quality, at least mm-hmm. DI recordings in your own home in an untreated space. Again, drums are tricky stuff. Vocals can get tricky, but like, it's all very possible. It's all within arm's reach, but you have to be able to make that happen for yourself at this point. It's just that the box is open. Everyone can do everything, almost everything at home, and you, everyone needs to be a part of that. There, it's not like, oh, I don't know how to do this, so whatever. It's just like, that's. I'm so sorry. That's tough. You're going to have yeah. to learn because everyone else knows how to record themselves now. It's 2022. Yeah. yeah. So... This is the end of part one, and next week we'll go into part two of music, because music is a, a, a big thing. You can find us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. Uh, talk to us. Give us takes. Tell us what you think. See you next week. And now let-